Hey guys, this is Wildcat Chris Harris, TNA original and one half of six-time TNA World Tag Team Champions, America's Most Wanted. You are listening to the TNA Cross the Line Podcast. TNA Wrestling, Cross the Line. And we're back with episode 212 of the TNA Cross the Line podcast. I am Bob Collier Jr. With me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. In Dallas, we are coming off of Final Resolution, which, if I am recalling correctly, I found it to be disappointing. But it featured the return of Sting. Although we had seen him wrestle in 2003, I guess we're pretending that the Asylum years in fact, do not exist, and it is his first match since seeing him in WCW. Dallas, you tend to enjoy a final resolution. Now we're going towards against all odds. How are you feeling? Man, I'm always feeling good as we're heading toward the next one. I was uh, I was pulling it up to confirm. Yes, Bob, you gave that show a thumbs down, which is sad, but... You know, that's uh, sometimes what happens. And we're going to break the whole show down, as we always do, on the show after. So uh, if you happen to miss it, first off, highly recommend you check it out. It was a good, uh, good long episode. The pay-per-view days are always fun. But if not, uh, we are going to talk about everything that went down. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, my issue was with the uh, finishes. Yeah, it was a lot of the finishes. And believe it or not, I shouldn't really come as a shock, but Dave kind of brings that stuff up in the Observer Newsletter. So uh, a lot of the finishes, the the gimmick stuff of like people running in and yeah. So he does he does talk. I mean, a lot about it. So. I guess I guess that being said, I think we should just get right into it. Yeah, let's go. We got we got plenty to talk about uh, before we get into today's episode of Impact. So let's uh, let's look at what the readers of the Observer thought before I forget, like I tend to do. And Bob, you give it a thumbs down. I give it a thumbs up. So by an average, we gave it a thumbs in the middle. However, what do you think that the readers of the Wrestling Observer newsletter gave it? A thumbs up, a thumbs down, or a thumbs in the middle? I'm going to say that they gave it a thumbs in the middle. Well, they gave it a thumbs up by majority, 63.2%, which, if you um, pay attention, that is actually seemingly a little bit lower thumbs up than I feel like normal. Uh, And that's because 28.2% were in the middle. So, I mean, not a bad thumbs up. It's still a thumbs up, yeah. Right. And then... 8.6% 8.6% gave it a thumbs down. Now, if you want the number breakdown, thumbs up, 132 people, thumbs in the middle, 59, and thumbs down, there were 18 people. So, uh, majority of people enjoyed it. And I bet you a lot of the people in the middle were similar feeling to you, where it was like, yeah, there's a lot of weird finishes. Yes, yeah, see, I, I feel like I, if I was allowing myself to do thumbs in the middle, I would have done thumbs in the middle, but I had to do thumbs down. Yeah, that's fair. And I'm um, sure that these guys, these fans went with thumbs up. In large part because it's the return of Sting. I would have to assume. I mean, 
that would make sense to me. But right. Uh, what do you think was voted on as the best match of the show? I know we don't have to. We didn't run down the card uh, yet. But. Joe and Daniels. Yeah, it was Joe and Daniels. 179 people. In second place was Sting and Christian versus Jerry and Brown with 24 votes. And once again, it's probably because it was Sting's return match. Right. Not that I think it was bad. I don't think it was bad. Uh, as far as the worst match, what do you think I voted on for that? Uh, hang on a minute. I have to look up the card because um, I don't remember. I'm going to say... Oh, wait. Okay. Uh, I'm going to say... Oh, it's got to be the James game against Diamonds in the Rough. Yeah, it is, uh, with 61 votes. Uh, in second place was Bobby Roode and Ron Killings with 40 votes. Then Raven and the returning Sean Waltman with 32 votes. And, believe it or not, AMW versus Team 3D with 10 votes was the fourth place. And I think that's got to be because of the dusty finish they did. Oh, yeah. Because the match was good. Yeah. That was so fucking bad. that Because they literally won. The, the the match <laughs> but then it's like no you didn't i i thought it was uh i, I don't think it was bad but i know what you, i see what you mean i thought it was True. interesting no, I didn't... That... <laughs> yeah now just to give everybody an understanding here is you know we do a couple episodes at a time whatever and then so for for instance we we took like christmas off whatever new year so we, we've had a, like two or three weeks where we haven't had to record and in that time frame, you know, I watch or review a whole shit ton of wrestling. So I tend to forget what the hell I've talked about on this podcast. But when you mentioned the dusty finish for the fucking AMW Team 3D match, it all is like, you know, you can't really forget that one. That shit was so oh my God. annoying. Because it wasn't even like... I'm trying to, like, I, I got to look at this real quick. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the fucking Team Canada gets involved. Oh, my God. And they just <laughs> switched. He made the cover, but he was, like, blinded, right? Or he was, like, knocked out, so he didn't know. And then Team Canada yeah. comes out, switches it, and then the referee doesn't count. He's just like, yeah, AMW, of course. That's who I counted for. Right, because they he, he opens his eyes and saw him, and then he usually like, raised their hand. Yeah, that's so fucking bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's so bad. And I'm not the only one because I just went to Matt Pettigord's, uh recap on WrestlingRecaps.com, <laughs> and, and all his only comment on it is, you've got to be kidding me with that finish. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit, dude. Holy that, ba- that's that is bad. That's pretty funny. That is pretty funny. Oh, man. Uh, well, let's talk about what Dave writes uh, in the Observer Newsletter. Now, he he uh, tends to ramble here quite a bit, so I actually ended up cutting a decent amount out before he – because, you know, he he usually does, like, a little write-up, and then he talks about the matches. There's a lot of stuff. Um, so if you want the full in-depth thing, I'd recommend checking out the January 23rd, 2006 Observer Newsletter. But, of course, the biggest thing here is uh, the return of Sting. He signed a one-year contract with TNA, had its ups and downs on the January 15th final resolution pay-per-view in uh, Universal in Orlando. He says, before the usual, 
uh, full house of 900 fans with several hundred turned away. And believe it or not, many staying uh, to watch on the screens outside in the setup for the overflow. Uh, the show featured a combination of generally good work and overbooking that overall would be a mixed bag as a show. He says the plethora of run-ins and rough bumps may not even needed uh, was overdone and ended the show with a bad taste, even though the main attraction sting generally did well. He says Steve Borden, who turns 47 on March 20th. Just put that in perspective real quick. He's turning 47 here in 2006. <laughs> okay. It's 2024, Bob. He's he's about to do his last match um, very soon. That's fucking wild. <laughs> That's it's fucking insane to me. There's something not right with that. That's insane. Um, he says he, he'll, 65, which I guess is like retirement age. Yeah, that's a more realistic. But in wrestling, that is almost uh, you. You could argue that people retire 10 years before that. Well, a lot of times they should. Yeah. Well, OK, they should retire. Yeah, like Ric Flair should have retired probably in like 2008 at the minimum. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Sting saw that Ric Flair's last match show and he saw his match and he goes, that ain't going to be me, brother. And he goes, <laughs> he picked up on Tony. I got like four more in me. Yeah. Four more matches. I'm done. Yeah, of course. No, that whenever I hear that. Like type of stuff. It just reminds me of uh, Shane Douglas always saying, "You're not going to see me uh, embarrassing myself like Ric Flair," you know. And he'd be saying that in like 1997. And then you look here in 2024, and guess who's still uh, wrestling? Uh, Shane Douglas. Although, I mean, is he's not completely accurate if he doesn't make it to what 70? How old is Flair? 70? I don't even know. Is he? He's got. Well, he. He's in his 70s for sure. If. Sting is 65, or going to be 65, whenever his birthday is. Uh, I'm going to say Ric Flair's got to be at least like 72. Let's see. At least. 74. Okay. Yeah. Turning 75 on February 25th. Yeah, so Sting said, nah, I'm not doing that. Um, when so- is, wait, hang on a minute. When's, Re- when's Revolution? Uh, it's February, or is it? Or is it March first? February, March. I don't know. It's at the end of February, beginning of March, isn't it? Oh, March third. I was gonna say if it was on February twenty fifth, he'd get one more birthday. Flair's seventy fifth birthday. He's wrestling. <laughs> one more time, brother, for Sting. He would absolutely be wrestling. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, so Sting, 47 on March 20th of 2006 here. Uh, he returned to a somewhat full-time wrestling after more than five years, teaming with Christian Cage to beat Jeff Jarrett and Monty Brown in the main event, featuring the usual assortment of rough bumps and run-ins that were ridiculous after they had been done to death earlier in the show. The crowd was super hot for him, uh, which didn't translate nearly as well on pay-per-view. Live, the crowd was said to be super hot, but on pay-per-view, it only seemed so in spots. Crowd was incredibly respectful for Sting chanting, "You still got it." Uh, when the when he performed a high spot, uh, you have no idea how much that meant to him. Dave says Sting was nervous about the audience, and he'd been told that they were internet marks who were impossible for him to please. So they made Sting feel bad before he went out, which is really great. That's great. Yeah. 
Um, hey, Sting, I know we're at Universal, uh, but uh, this ain't WCW, brother. These aren't uh, casuals. These are the diehards. Yeah, you ain't going to please them. Yeah. But thanks, for, thanks for coming in. But good luck out there. Have fun. Yeah, there it goes. Um, he says it was clear he had trained hard for his return and could easily pass up for being 10 years younger than he is. But this is, like, so ridiculous. And I'm reading this part because, once again, in hindsight, he's been wrestling for another 18 years. But he says, but still, he looked like a high school math teacher dressed up to look like Sting for Halloween at that age and still wearing his Crow-era Sting gimmick. Still, it's a weird thing because it's the only role he can play. Okay. I can, so, I, I agree with that. He did look like a, a school teacher. <laughs> That's a very good... I agree with that. But I also agree with if you would have told me that he was 47 here, I would have said you're wrong. <laughs> oh my God. I would have thought he was younger. Uh, well, but he, yeah, he, I mean, he did look like a teacher in like a It was the haircut. Way. I feel like the, the different It's the haircut. Right? It's too short. Yeah. He's got to have longer hair. That's absolutely what it is. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, moving on. <laughs> uh, he kind of talks like a little bit about some of the matches uh, in the next part that I'm kind of skipping over, but we're going to talk about the matches, so I'm just skipping it. Um, he said there were people worried that the show wasn't going to be well-received well because of the nature of so many gimmicked finishes. Uh, in the main event, yeah, weird, right? In the main event where the finish was Sting pinning Jarrett after the Scorpion death drop, Jarrett booked even more with another Team Canada running, a ref bump, and weapons. His idea was that after all, after all that, people would be happy because they would be getting a clean finishes, a clean finish, and the faces were going over. It's an apropos finish to earlier screw jobs. Dave says, for me at least, it was o- it only led me to totally losing interest in the match once the ref went down and not caring about anything afterwards. Uh, preliminary indications are that Sting's appearance didn't do much, if anything, for the buy rate, which is going to be a bitter pill to swallow. Uh, this is based on storyline. There were two matches that needed the rough bumps and screw jobs, which were the AMW Team 3D match, where the idea was that Team Canada would cost Team 3D the match, and the Raven vs. Sean Waltman match, where Larry Zabisco played the heel rough roll and saw Raven's foot on the rope, but continued to count. Uh, by virtue of that stipulation, that of that stipulation raven must leave tna for good yeah so i would say that only the raven match probably needed the ref i mean really yeah amw team 3d no you could just have team canada cost team 3d the match yeah i agree you don't need a ref you don't need to do that finish at all i agree i think it's i i'm honestly kind of surprised that they are potentially really dragging out a Team 3D title win. Because you know now that they're going to feud with Team 3D or uh, Team Canada for at least two months. Right. And this is the part that's like super interesting to me because as I mentioned when we were starting to see Team 3D and stuff, TNA likes to hot shot um, putting titles on big names, uh, specifically WWE guys and girls mm-hmm. for that matter. Uh, they really like to do that because, and I, I get it to a degree because then it's like, oh hey, uh, Team 3Ds are tag team champions, like one of the biggest tag teams in history. Like I get it, but like it's fascinating to me watching, you know, from their debut until early 2006 here already, and they're not. 
They're still not the champions. I like can't believe it. Well, you know, I think uh, part of it might be, at least for me, it's like with as soon as they win the tag team titles, th- then what? Mm-hmm. Exactly. What do you have next? Well, it's a that, and that's a, that's the um, the hard part, right? They're, the money right now is in the chase of them trying to get it, which is I feel like generally the case, right? It's the babyface chasing the, sure. the heel champion, and yeah. it's going to be like like we just said, they're going to win it, and then it's gonna be like, okay, cool. Now what? And then we're going to be bored until they lose it again, and then they have to they have to start something else. I think that if they were to beat AMW, it's the type of thing where they'd have it for a month, and then you look mm-hmm. at <clears throat> LAX seems to be like right. a new, you know, that could be a thing. They would win the title, and then Team 3D is going to chase them to like Bound for Glory or something, and like win the titles there. Type right. of deal. Yeah, it's a very interesting situation. Um, going off of the uh, Ravens Abisco stuff here, uh, Dave notes that Raven got a big re- reaction after losing, as if the fans were playing along because none of them at this point could be so naive as to believe that it's it for him. Even though uh, long term, his future is very much in question. Uh, now the plan currently is for Raven to be out of action for about ten weeks, uh, to return probably around the time of the lockdown pay per view in April, and somehow Jackie Gata will be part of his return. This is the second time in the year that they've done an angle for Raven to be gone. The last time was when he quit. So, which I think is pretty interesting. Well, he quit and then came back at Slammiversary. Right. To win the title. Yeah. Right. And now he got essentially got fired. Um, he says the real negative from Raven's side is that since he's paid by appearance, he won't be getting paid for the 10 weeks he's off. Oh, man. Now, okay. Worse than that, though, he's suffering from health problems. Um, he says this angle uh, to largely get rid of him has nothing to do with those problems as the bookers weren't even aware of them and the timing is simply coincidental. Um, he says health problems uh, as re- repercussions of his years of abusing recreational and performance enhancing drugs uh, is what he's saying the issues. He says the years of artificial testosterone from the steroids has made it so whether clean or on prescribed testosterone, even doing heavy or regular cardio, his thyroid is messed up and he's having trouble avoiding uh Dropping weight is he's more than 270 pounds now. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so no matter what, he can't drop weight. Yeah, so he's having a hard time. Wow. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, with those two finishes, which clearly weren't going to make anyone happy, they should have left the rest of the show alone, except for the round killings or Bobby Roo finish. Or it was Conan's distraction that cost Killings the match because Killings, LAX, and see Dave says the James Boys <laughs> are still doing what essentially storyline advancement since nobody expects to see good matches out of them. Right. Okay, let's talk about the matches. We're gonna do a normal uh, quick rundown. I'll do the short version of what he says, and of course the star ratings. Uh, first, there's two pre-show matches which we did not see. Um, so here they are. We talked about them, but we didn't see them. Uh, Petey Williams in A1 and Eric Young, so Team Canada, defeated Lance Hoyt, Jay Lethal, and Kenny King in 5 minutes, 54 seconds. Fans were training USA at King, uh, who is interesting trivia, is the last guy and the best wrestler out of the camp who lost out to Jack Gaeta and Linda Miles in the finals of Tough Enough 2. Okay, interesting. Uh, he did well, some... <clears throat> I do. I do remember him on that, but I... 
I seem to recall that people thought uh, a guy named Jake was going to win. He was a muscle guy. He had like a little bit of a mohawk. Mm. And I will never. I watched the um, finale, and when they're like, you know, Al Snow or whoever is going to say like, oh, and the winner is Jack, right? And he thinks it's him. So he's about he's about it's Jackie Gator, and he goes, "You got it." He's like, "Wow, really?" Wow. Because it was always it was good. I believe the assumption was one male, one female, mm-hmm. but then they did Jackie and Linda. Ah, uh, so they really they really threw it out. Oh yeah, wow! I haven't seen like the full old tough enoughs. I don't think like the full things. Uh, well, as we looked before, it's on Peacock. So. I would have to resubscribe. So maybe one day I will, and I will watch it. You, you will. I know. I, I'll be back. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, he did some like athletic stuff. Uh, Hoyt didn't look good at all apparently, and his cult following started to dwindle as well. Uh, Williams pinned lethal with the Canadian destroyer. I mean, I did notice there was not much of a weight chant or anything. Yeah. Uh, Conan and Homicide defeated the Naturals. Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens in three minutes, 50 seconds. Uh, Apollo had transportation issues in getting out of Puerto Rico. Uh, Homicide's shoulder apparently is a mess, so he can't do much. Conan's hip is totally shot, which became even more clear later in the show, which uh, he says, uh, still, this was fine because it was kept short. The Naturals had the natural destroyer, or sorry, the natural disaster uh, set up on Homicide when Conan hit Chase Stevens with the, with a slapjack, and Homicide got the pin. So yeah, those I were real- show matches. I didn't realize the Homicide's shoulder was already jacked up. I did remember <laughs> that at a time, at one point in time, he was not doing well with his shoulder. I'm, I'm surprised it's <clears throat> early '06 that it's already an mm-hmm. issue. That's right. Uh, the first match on the main show, Austin Aries and Roderick Strong and Al Shelley defeated Matt Bentley, Sanjay Dutt, and Chris Sabin in 10 minutes, 31 seconds. Sabin has a new look with blonde streaked hair. Actually, so does Shelley. <laughs> they, which is just pretty funny. Uh, they did teases with both Jerry Lynn and Dave Hebner, uh, shown watching the action. Good opener. Uh, finish saw Bentley hit Strong with a super kick as he was trying to put the moves on Tracy. And he was taken down by Shelly with a schoolboy holding the tights. He gives us three stars. Then we saw the James Gang, Kip and BG, defeating Elix Skipper and David Young, managed by Simon Diamond, in 7 minutes 47 seconds. The crowd has been waiting to see the New Age Outlaws back together after six years for months. And when they were, the place was dead. Uh, They were so less over than 3 Live Crew, and it's not even funny. Uh, Kip pinned Skipper after a Cobra Clutch Slam, one star. Which is the one and only, I believe. I was going to say the one and only, yeah. AJ Styles pinned Hiroshi Tanahashi in 11 minutes, 3 seconds. Fans threw streamers in the ring for Tanahashi. Uh, Good wrestling here. It was just getting going with an abrupt finish. Shannon Moore ran in and hit Styles with his Mr. TNA, or went to hit Styles with his Mr. TNA plaque. But Styles moved and he hit Tanahashi. This looked amateurish in timing. Styles then pinned Tanahashi after the Styles clash. Tanahashi picked up the plaque Moore had left behind and gave it to Styles. As they continued to raise each other's hands, Moore stole the plaque out of Styles' hand and ran off. This made Styles look like such a goof, and this is not the time for that to be happening. Three stars. Sean Waltman, he returned. He pinned Raven in eight minutes, six seconds. Raven did a strong pre-match promo. 
Uh, Waltman uh, looked heavy in the middle. <laughs> uh, Waltman had some uh, tear down the house performances before his latest hiatus, hiatus caused by no showing the pay-per-view. This match couldn't be uh, based at that level given how much time they were given and how it was booked. It was a total garbage match. And he, when Dave says garbage match, this is why. He says using a garbage can, a can lid, a weight belt, a ladder, a table, a shopping cart. So when he says garbage match, he doesn't mean like a shit match. He means like hardcore right. weapon stuff. Um, then when Waltman eventually went to pin Raven, this is, of course, after the ref bump. Sorry. So ref was bumped. Whatever. Raven had Waltman pinned, but there's no ref. Waltman then went to pin Raven. Sabisco ran into ref. He actually gave the slow count to both sides, which we were surprised about. I remember, Bob, that he was mm-hmm. even pretending. Then at one at another point, Raven had the match won. Zabisco wouldn't even count to three. Waltman then gave Raven the X Factor off the ladder through a table. Zabisco counted the pin, even though Raven got his foot on the ropes. The crowd gave Raven a big pop, and you could tell nobody bought the idea he was gone. As he was leaving, Jake Yeda showed up and started yelling at Zabisco and told Raven there was more to the story that he doesn't know about. And Dave says, I guess the Raven girlfriend angle has been totally dropped. And he actually notes that apparently at one point it was talked about being Christy Hemi was going to be Raven's girlfriend. Kind of interesting. That could that could have worked. Yeah. I could see that working out. I, I mean, can see it working. good for Raven to get Christy right? Hemi. Yeah. That could have worked. I could see that. Uh, he gives this match two stars. Uh, next up, Bobby Roode pinned Ron Killings in 9 minutes, 49 seconds. Before the match, Conan tried to get Killings to join LAX. Killings said that he was tired of the drama and he was going on his own. The match itself was solid. Uh, Roode hit the Northern Lariat on him for the pin. As Conan again tried to recruit Killings, BG James hit the ring. Homicide came out and he and Conan gave James a beatdown. Killings walked off and didn't save James. Kip James made the save hitting Homicide with a chair shot. Conan bailed before Kip James could get it. Could get him two stars. Hmm. Uh, next up, Abyss pin Rhino nine minutes eighteen seconds. And I'll be honest with you, Bob, I totally forgot that this match happened. So that's pretty. Well, it's because it wasn't a garbage match. It wasn't a garbage match. <laughs> um, Abyss went for a choke slam, but Rhino blocked him to deliver a low blow. However, Abyss recovered immediately, and Dave says he could not get past how Abyss was fined seconds after the low blow. But honestly, I don't think that bothers me. He's a monster. Uh, and he nailed Rhino with a black hole slam onto chairs for the pin. After the match, Abyss used some more chair uh, used some more chair shots. One and three quarter stars. Next yeah. up, the controversial match. AMW beat Team 3D, featuring the return of the Dusty Finish to keep the NWA Tag Team titles in 12 minutes, 43 seconds. He says, the finish looked bad. Since Gail Kim... Uh, Gave Chris Harris the powder right in front of the referee, Rudy Charles. Uh, Ray kicked Harris's hand, and the powder went in the face of both Harris and Charles. I don't actually mind that he gave she gave it to him right in front of him. I think that was kind of the point, and I thought it was funny, but whatever. Uh, they did the uh, 3D to Harris, and Charles rolled over and counted the pin. Place went nuts. I think Team Canada was supposed to come out sooner, but they came out and destroyed Team 3D with numerous shots and hockey stick and put Harris on top of Bully Ray. Or, sorry, um, Brother Ray. Uh, Charles then recovered and raised Harris's hand. Now, he talks shit about it, but he still gives this three and a quarter stars. Yeah, I mean, to me, it's not even a dusty finish because... Well, that's the weird... And I see... This is where I... It like, wasn't do sort a of, pin. 
this is where I kind of agree more with you of being like, yeah, this wasn't a good finish because they tried to do a different kind of dusty finish. But like you said, they did technically actually pin them. It wasn't like a because what in a real dusty finish. A dusty like finish it, would be it would be like uh, Team 3D won the match. The referee. A second referee comes out and says, no, it's a DQ because Team Canada used the... Right. Used the... Or could they... Or could it be something where it's like they pin the non-legal man or, like, that kind of thing, too, and they could be like, well, wait, he wasn't actually legal, and they have the other guy come out. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. But this is an instance where Team 3D literally won, get it tagged, (laughs) put a guy... The champions are put on top, and the referee's like, okay, I did that. And then, yep, they won. That's not a dusty finish. That's just like, that, I don't even know. It's, it's not dusty. It's a finish. It's but a finish. AMW didn't pin them at all. It's so fucking bizarre to me. Right. And I don't know how it would be seen as helping AMW because it fucking like, dude, you lot, like, you got pinned. If anything, it just makes them look more like a heel, I guess, right? I mean... Well, the heat's now on Team Canada. Well, right. Right. So, I mean, I guess it helps them. But. Right. Um, next up, the second-to-last match, Samoa Joe defeated Christopher Daniels to keep the X-Division title in 15 minutes, 33 seconds. Excellent match and well above everything else on the show. He talks quite a bit about the spots in this match, but um, as I skip ahead here, he obviously beats the shit out of Christopher Daniels in this match. And... Um, he used, to, he used a muscle buster, but Daniels got to the rope uh, to break up the pin. Joe then delivered a muscle buster on a chair and refused to pin him. Joe was throwing soccer kicks and knees on the ground uh, like this was a pride fight. After more knees and kicks on the ground, Styles threw in the towel because Styles came out from inside because he was worried about what was happening to Daniels. Um, another point is by this point, the crowd was behind Daniels. And Daniels ended up being carried out of the ring. He gives us four and a quarter stars. Yeah, I mean, it's a good match, but again, I don't, uh, eight, I think the way that AJ did the finish kind of, like, spoiled it, but, or at least, like, how the camera work was. I wouldn't have had it on AJ as he goes to get the, t- I would have just had him in the hole, and then the towel just comes out of nowhere. It's like, oh, fucking. It was yeah, a- they were, you know, yeah, I called it as soon as he walked out, walked to the ring. I said, he's about to grab the fucking towel. Yeah, and then, he's, then he just eyes it, mm-hmm. eyes the towel, grabs it, and it's like, okay, well. Yeah. Uh, The main event, Christian and the returning to Wrestling Sting beat Jeff Jarrett and Monty Brown in 15 minutes, five seconds. People went nuts for Sting when he came out. Um, The finish eventually saw Jarrett grab the guitar, but Sting grabbed his bat and smashed up the guitar. Sting then used the Scorpion Death Drop uh, onto Jarrett. Sting didn't do anything spectacular, and Christian was in most of the time. Uh, as it should have been since the idea was to make Sting look hot and shine. Uh, as far as the in-ring went, Sting's return was a success considering his age and how long he's been out. Two and three-quarter stars. Yeah, I mean, it was almost a show that I ordered as a kid. And I didn't do it. I bet it's... you as a kid, you would have loved it. No. loved it. No, I think I would have been pissed off by the AMW Team 3D finish. Oh, another that one. That would have pissed me off. Well, 
Okay. Uh, one more thing about the Raven uh, storyline that they're doing that uh, Brian Alvarez makes mention to is apparently he's saying that this angle is based on an X-Men comic book uh, storyline, potentially, uh, with the with Phoenix, which I haven't I haven't actually read the real thing, so I can't really speak on it. And he explains it very poorly. Uh, but basically, he says, uh, Alvarez says, uh, Raven has been telling people he wanted to do this for a long time. And while I'm not positive this is the deal, the X-Men story does involve a guy saving the life of a woman who is Jean Grey, which is Phoenix. And since Jackie Gata, who may or may not end up being the mystery girlfriend from a few months back. So Alvarez's thing, it could potentially be Gata is mm-hmm. part of this thing. But Dave says it's dropped, so who knows? Um she appears to be tied up in the Raven storyline, and it makes sense with the Raven playing the role of the female in the story, essentially. Um, but then he kind of shits talk the fact that he doesn't read comics, so he doesn't really like actually help explain that. But I thought it was interesting nonetheless. Oh, it's amazing that Brian Alvarez would basically provide nothing. He's really fucking good at that, and dude, I, I don't know. As soon as we started doing this podcast and I was reading his stuff, I was like, I don't like this guy. And then you hear him talk on his like live show. It's not it's not good. He's very annoying. He's just super negative. Like at least like Dave Meltzer is like. I feel like he's like critical, but like at least sometimes he makes sense, whereas like Alvarez is like, dude, well, he's just so negative about everything. Yeah, that's it's that's a type that's a type of like fan or podcast or whatever that I just I can't uh, deal with. I I can't deal with like it's I find you know, oh everything positive and then everything negative. No, it's got to be balanced. If you mm-hmm. tell me something's bad that but you see the good in it, and it's like come on, man. It's okay to say something not good or like disagree. Like, if this podcast was just you and I saying every show was good, we agree on everything, that's fucking boring to listen to. Yeah. (laughs) Who wants to listen to that? Right, right. So the fact that I'm like, you know, Final Resolution kind of a bummer, but you're like, no, I really enjoyed it. It's like, that's two different reactions. Okay, cool. Instead of like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty pretty great. (laughs) And then that's it. End scene. Yeah, that's kind of annoying. So. Right. You want to know what also is uh, annoying? What's that? So now on Final Resolution, I plugged Lance's uh, podcast, right? Oh yes, yes, yeah. So I listened to the episode that he like wanted me to plug the wrestler, right? And mm-hmm. it's a, it's not a bad podcast, you know. I listen to it. They all you know have their jokes, whatever. It's pretty good. During the show, he mentions some wrestling podcasts to listen to. Dallas, did he, he shout us out? He didn't mention us. Lance. And I, I confronted him. I mentioned, I, uh, I DM'd him. And I go, hey Lance, listen, I listened to your podcast from like three years ago, and you plugged, like you know, you plugged something to wrestle with, eighty-three week, whatever, but not us. And I was like, what the fuck? You have me plug your fucking podcast, and you don't mention us. And he goes, well, in my defense. I hadn't found you guys yet. Mm. And I said, there's no fucking excuses for that. <laughs> oh my God. There's literally no excuse for that. You can go in, edit it, and just say, TNA Crossland Podcast. And then oh I'm God. sure it would still flow. So you see, you were grilling him now. Oh, yeah. Like I, I will not rest until he mentions 
TNA Crossline podcast in a future movie review. Like, it won't even make any sense. So he could be reviewing, like, Titanic or something. And he could be like, you know, this scene reminds me of the TNA Crossline podcast. Just throw it in there. Who cares? Clerks. I don't know. Oh, hey, or Clerks too. Oh, there's a fire going on. You know what's fire? Is the TNA Crossline podcast. Oh, okay, great. Like, thank you. I'm literally doing it for you right now, Lance. Like, just fucking do it. Bob's grilling the fans. Yeah. It's like, oh, like, again, to Titanic. Oh, they hit the iceberg. You know what also hit an iceberg? Impact Wrestling, when Vince Russo sent that email. And guess what? You can listen to TNA, a TNA podcast called Crossline TNA. TNA Crossline, whatever our podcast is named. Whatever the podcast name is. Yeah, the TNA Crossline podcast. Yeah, well, did you know that? Uh, well, you do know because I texted you. I mean, TNA's TNA's back. I mean, Bob, by the time this episode is out, TNA's yeah. back. Yeah. By literally, um, what, like a week? Yeah, officially, right? yeah. it's back. They're already they're already riding our coattails, man. They got merch out. TNA crossed line. <laughs> of course, they do. dude. We're the OGs, man. Nobody, everybody else, all the other podcasts. <laughs> Are like impact, you know, it was impact this, impact that, because that was the times. But what made impact? Fucking TNA. 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 We've been crossing the line for for years now. That's right. And now here we are. And their their new logo, as we have discussed in the show, is the shits because yeah, it's, it's not it's good. a janked up version of the good logo. I was like, I almost did it yesterday, but I had way too much other stuff to important stuff to do. I was gonna like just re- redo the logo. If I was going to do it and be like, this looks so much nicer. And then I was like, you know what? This ain't worth my time. Because after you texted me, it was like, this profile picture on Twitter looks like shit. I was like, I think I should do this. <laughs> yeah, it looks bad, dude. Not good. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, we, we uh, are done with final resolution talk. But, Bob, I do have a little bit more to discuss here before we get into the oh. show. Um, not a ton, but a little bit more. I actually cut quite a bit out of this Observer newsletter, dude. He... He goes on so many freaking long tangents. I cut so much out. I had to. Because it was just like stuff that I think would make people fall asleep if they were listening to us talk about this. But anyways, uh, Spike TV this week finalized its decision to, believe it or not, not put on a major show on February 13th when Raw is preempted due to the dog show. Uh, This is a pretty big deal. Uh, So it said here, according to sources... uh, Spike had pressured TNA into signing one more marquee superstar who would debut on the show besides Sting uh, before they would approve the special, and TNA failed to do so. Now, Dave says, it's hard to figure out on what they were expecting because the only person available who would fit their criteria was The Rock. Uh, While we do know uh, that he's had communications with Jeff Jarrett, it's more along the lines of wanting his advice on the product. Um, I don't believe Spike uh, would have brought in Brock Lesnar, uh, being a big a big enough name at the time. Uh, and it's still a few weeks before they could even uh, hope to even have talks with him anyways. Uh, the move is the first real sign of lack of faith in TNA, and in particular, it's star power. Because for months, everyone had pointed to the February 13th as TNA's golden opportunity to reach new viewers. It's believed Spike's decision was that it didn't believe that TNA was ready for a Monday night special, the fact 
that decision was made on a night without WWE programming show shows the odds are not good at this point of getting them on a night slot head to head with Raw that Jeff Jarrett, Sting, and others in the company have openly talked about as the ultimate company goal. Uh, and then the last part of this is that TNA had expected to get that special that night and had not been told it wasn't happening, but over the past week, reading the writing on the wall, uh, that since they weren't told it was, time was running out and it wasn't going to happen. So, unfortunately... <laughs> it- it would have been hysterical if The Rock showed up. Dude, could you imagine? If he signed The Rock. That is so ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and the fact that their goal apparently is a head-to-head Monday, that is such not a good idea. Well, thank God it doesn't happen for a while. Yeah, but even when it does happen, not a fucking good idea. Yeah, well. Stick to your... It's like, you know what? It's like the AEW NXT. When NXT... Went to Wednesdays because Dynamite it wasn't it originally on a Tuesday. NXT. Um. It yes. Like, it was on like the internet or whatever. Yeah, or Peacock or whatever network. But I'm pretty sure it was Tuesdays. And they're like, no, let's go to Wednesdays. And then there's like a whole war, and then people were like, oh, look at AW starting a war. And they're like, no, NXT's going to that night. And it, why? Why can't you just have a Tuesday to yourself? That's what I would want. I don't want to be direct competition. Fuck you, man. I want to have my own night. You can have your fans. I'll have my fans. And we all live happily ever after. I do not need to compete. Right. On the same night. Not happening. There's no reason for it. Mm-hmm. And they would get murdered. Oh, yeah. Even if they just kept it like, oh, hey, Monday night's uh, 8 to 9. Or, or 9 to 10. You're you're still gonna get slot. You're gonna get absolutely murdered. Because mm-hmm. as soon as fans see Shannon Moore walking down that aisle to fight oh, Sanjay Dutt, they're Shannon gonna be like, "What's John Cena up to?" Boom, and then you're just gonna go right to Rock. Like, give me a break. This dude with Shannon Moore. I'm kind of going off of the uh, whole star power thing, though. His next note is semi-related, I guess. Uh, he says there are talks going on right now with two wrestlers who he could be considered uh, bigger stars than Sting. Now, the deal opened a lot of eyes. Uh, however, I don't see anyone else going anywhere near the deal. Um, Chris Jericho, who had always uh, been negative about going when asked by TNA officials, did remark recently he'd be very interested if he could get Sting money. But it doesn't look like anyone else is going to be getting that deal. Um, he says, anyway, uh, neither are at a serious stage. Uh, but one you would think would be interesting uh, interested at all is showing a lot of interest in working more than a few dates. He also, uh, as I say he is in Jeff Jarrett, talked with Bret Hart as well um, when they were in England together with, uh, while Scott DeMore and Jamie Borash, who are friends with Hart, have talked um, about believing there's a chance that he would come in. Now, Jarrett's skeptical because at this point he's like, I think, doing the Hall of Fame stuff because he's doing business with WWE or like a DVD or something like that. Well, he got inducted in what? Oh, four? Before. So they got to be doing some other stuff too then. Then there's a DVD that came out soon after. He's Bob's, definitely. I was getting blown up. I, I have it on fucking mute. Not, yeah, now I do. Uh, <laughs> what was it? So, wait. Yeah, because he got inducted in, I think, oh, four. Are you sure? Didn't he with Bobby Heenan? Bret Hart 
Hall of Fame. Well, it'd help if I spelled Bret Hart right. Yeah, it's not two T's, it's one. No, that's not what I did. It like made a typo and turned it to put an E in there for some reason. Well, there is an E in Brett. There's not. Or not an E, sorry, an A. An A. <laughs> uh, no I, I was like, what do you mean? Why is it fucking doing this, dude? Oh, it's Brett Hart. Brett Hart. Um, and now my dog's going crazy, too. So this is not helping any of the situations. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm pretty sure. Go. 2004. 2004. No, Hall of Claim Fest. He was inducted in 2006. Oh, that's what I meant. That's what that's I meant. Because that's when they're in Detroit. That's what I said. You did 2004. Yeah, I know I did. But you can just say, yeah, you said 2006. Help me out. Uh, okay, so then, yeah, that's definitely what it is. Hall of Fame shit. And then okay. that must be when the DVD came out. Yeah, so the DVD came out. Does it say? Oh, no, mid-2005. Oh, yeah, see? So in mid-2005, he started working with WWE. Okay. Um, contributing to interview footage for the DVD. Uh, he returned to programming as a guest on November 16th episode of Bite This. So oh, he, Todd Grisham. Todd Grisham, who says bad things on Bite This. Great. About TNA fans. Yeah. yeah. So anyways, doubtful it's going to happen, but regardless. Um, I believe this is my last um, note before the show. Yes, it is. Okay, I have one more note. Um, there are plans right now uh, for a first house show, which would be a Sold show promoted by ICP on March 17th in a 3,000-seat Compuware Sports Arena, a made-for-hockey arena in Plymouth. Uh, They want to uh, promote it as a pure TNA wrestling show, but the idea is that if it doesn't sell, they can turn it into an ICP appearance and not lose any money on the deal while still having the show. Uh, The working plan, as of right now, is for Jarrett versus Rhino or Christian for the NWA title. Sabu vs. Abyss, Samoa Joe vs. AJ Styles, NW vs. The Naturals, Monty Brown vs. Chris Sabin, Ron Killings vs. Bobby Roode, Alex Shelley vs. Petey Williams, Shark Boy vs. A1, plus Eric Young and Conan. Uh, tickets range from $50 down to $10. And now, in addition to this, some of the shows promoted um, Virginia by Dave Hebner and NASCAR star Hermie Sadler's United Wrestling Federation over the next few months, using mostly TNA talent, will also be gauged as dry run to see if they'll do house shows. Now, he talks quite a bit about what happens on these shows, but since we cover them in our indie notes, I'm not mentioning all of that. However, the UWF debut show was uh, January 13th from, uh, is it Emporia, Virginia? And it drew about 600 fans. And the tickets were about $10 and $25. Uh, based on the current deals, the talent cost of the show would have been in the $17,000 range. So unless Jeff Jarrett was giving them bargain basement deals on himself and the top guys, which he may have been, this would have been a big loser. Uh, the reports we got were it was a break even uh, description. The wrestlers did just enough to get by. So if you were looking for quality show that TNA wrestlers put on in Orlando, you would have been very disappointed. Uh, the shows were billed as UWF Presents, the stars of TNA, and Dave Hebner was running everything. And once again, he goes down the card, but since we cover those in our indie notes, I'm going to not do that right now. Well, I mean, we always could because it is basically an extension of TNA. I mean, those are just straight TNA shows, not really indie. Correct. Do you want me to read this thing? 
I mean, if you is that, want what, is, that what, because, is that what you're if, hinting at? If you want me to, because I'm the indie guy, I can I can read the part I got right here. I mean, it's like a little paragraph. I can just read it. I don't know if it's missing anything necessarily. I mean, I can just read the card. I have the card right here. Okay, yeah. Let's let's just run down the card then. Okay, so well, I'll just do the results. Yeah, yeah. Right? Just read the results. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, January thirteenth. Uh, it said on Cage Match. It says seven hundred fans. Okay. So. But if they're saying between 20, 25 and ten dollars for tickets, I mean, yeah, and the fucking rates is seventeen. There's no way. There's no way in fucking hell they're making money on this. All right. So it featured D'Lo Brown defeating Shannon Moore in nine minutes and thirty-seven seconds. Matt Heisen, also known as Spike Dudley, defeating Sunjay Dutt in eleven minutes and fourteen seconds. Sonny Siaki defeated Ron Killings in five minutes and nineteen seconds. Abyss defeated Sabu in a hardcore match where there was a special referee, Al Snow, in mm-hmm. nine minutes and five seconds. The James Gang, BG and Kip, defeated the Diamonds in the Rough, David Young and Neil Skipper, in 10 minutes and 14 seconds. The NWA World Heavyweight Championship uh, match saw Jeff Jarrett, re, uh, no, Jeff Jarrett lose to AJ Styles by disqualification in 13 minutes and 19 seconds. And then the main event. The NWA World Tag Team Champions, America's Most Wanted, defeating Team 3D by disqualification in 20 minutes and 43 seconds. Very now, interesting. There is a night two. Oh. January, January 14th, South Hill, Virginia, 500 fans in attendance. Oh. Uh, and this would be, what, the day before final resolution? Yeah. So that featured not the same matches. So uh, this will be interesting. Sanjay Dutt defeated Sun, uh, Sonny Siaki in 6 minutes and 12 seconds. Sabu defeated Al Snow in a hardcore match in 9 minutes and 2 seconds. The James Gang defeated the Diamonds in the Rough in 9 minutes and 6 seconds. Abyss defeated D'Lo Brown in 8 minutes and 11 seconds. Ron Killings defeated Shannon Moore in a street fight in 13 minutes and 44 seconds. Hermie Sandler was a special referee. And in the main event, it was a non-title match, but it was also a tables match. Team 3D defeating AMW in 20 minutes and 53 seconds. Very interesting. I do have a couple of things I want to add about the first one. I don't have any notes about the second show, at least not in this Observer. Yeah. But um, Earl Hebner was the referee in that Jarrett and Styles match, which I think is kind of fun. And uh, believe it or not, Shannon Moore interfered, and that's why Jarrett was DQ'd. And... Then because of whatever happened here, Hermie Sadler suspended Jarrett. So as Dave says, I guess he doesn't have to work the future shows with the group. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And and it was said to be the best match on the show at one and three quarter stars. So if that sets the precedent for the potential of, uh, as he says, how little the guys put into it, doing the bare that's, minimum. That's interesting because I definitely um, reviewed these shows. And I don't know what I gave for star ratings. It's um, but it's the best match is one and three quarters. Well, right. I mean, I think I'd like to watch these eventually, whether that is on this podcast or otherwise, uh, because they are. I mean, they are TNA shows, like you said. So I, I'm definitely interested in them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple. <clears throat> well, there's one for sure that we need to watch. Like live watch, like how we do this podcast. <clears throat> um, 
but yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I did. I definitely did review these. Uh, but there's probably other ones that we could do. But there's absolutely one that I think we need to do. Well, okay, coming, see, I, coming at I you guys gave, in the future. I gave Heisen and Dutt two stars. Okay. I gave Abyss and Zabu two and a half. I gave Styles and Jarrett three. Well, this wasn't Dave's rating, by the way. He just said it was said to be the best match, so someone told him. Oh. So it's not his rating, but just for reference. Okay. This is like, I, he he got a live report. I reviewed these shows eleven years ago. Holy! Shit. <laughs> oh my god! Just to give you wow. an idea of uh, how long. Okay. Well, there's that. Well, uh, it was a heavy one here um, from Final Resolution, and guys, we got more during the show, so there's gonna be more notes coming at you as we watch this episode of Impact. Um, I tried to cut. I tried to put as much into the show as I could, and I felt like there was there still might be too much, but we'll see. We'll see what we can squeeze out of here. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's get into the January twenty first edition of Impact. Uh, the approximate runtime for this is forty two minutes forty five seconds. I'm gonna count down from three. When I say play, that's when you can follow along, whether it be in your own personal collection or TNA plus. So join us that's for right. some. Impact Wrestling. Countdown from three. Here we go. Three, two, one. Play. This is TNA. Uh, while we're getting our intro, and I am assuming... I'll stop talking if it's... Um, oh, wait. Here, let's find out. Are they going to go right into the show? Or, oh, no. We're doing a highlight. I want to give you guys the explosion rundown from this taping. Um, and... Bob, I don't know if I actually said these other matches because they were from the last taping that happened after Final Resolution or not. So I'm saying them again. Um, because, oh wait, which one is this? This was taped on, okay, this is taped on the 17th. Wait, that's what we're watching. This is very confusing. Oh, hold on a second. Don West is outside of the uh, impact zone? Oh, waiting for the arrival of Sting. First TV appearance in five years. Oh, okay. So we're just waiting for Sting. Do you think he doesn't show up? That would be so dirty, dude. That would be so bad. Okay, I'm trying I, to... I bet you he's like, I'm not Sting. I'm Steve Borden. Oh, no, this was on the other taping. See, they got the dates wrong on Cage Match. So I might have already said these. This aired um, on the 20th, so actually technically the day before this episode of Impact. Uh, Lance Hoyt, Matt Bentley, and Ron Killings defeated the Diamonds in the Rough. Uh, then on the next episode of Explosion, which airs coming on the 27th, January 27th. The Naturals defeated A1 and Bobby Roode of Team Canada. Really? And then from this taping, Bob, this is where this shit gets so really confusing. I'm just telling you guys now because it was at the taping we're watching, so it makes sense to me, as the Diamonds and the Rough are coming out right now. Um, so this airs on February 3rd, February 3rd, 2006 of Explosion. 
Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Roderick Strong in six minutes and eight seconds. And I'm assuming we have a time for that because they probably put it on their YouTube channel or something. They had to have. Um, and I do the- not. That's a... Wow. I feel like I knew he appeared on Explosion, and I did not know off the top of my head he appeared on Final Resolution. So what's that tell you? You knew he was on Explosion? I'm pretty sure I did know that, yeah. I'm pretty sure. What? And then the other Explosion match that was from this taping that we're watching airs on his dot, and Chris Saban comes out. Uh, This aired on February 10th, 2006. So once again, we're kind of pushing him out here, but... Uh, Team Canada, A1, Bobby Roode, Eric Young, Petey Williams, defeated Cassidy Riley, Ron Killings, and the Naturals. And as the Diamonds are Rough go right after Dutt and it's just Saban. And I'm going to double check just to make sure I'm not completely bullshitting you, Bob. No, all of that was taped at the taping that we are watching right now. And, of course, it's also next week's show. Um, And that being said, there's even a dark match that I cannot seem to find anywhere. Uh, And if for some reason it shows up, sorry. Uh, But Matt Bentley defeated Lex Levette. In like a random dark match. Well, I got indie notes here. Chris Saban. As uh, get the two count on David Young. Um, back on January seventh, Chris Saban defeated B Boy in a best two out of three falls match, two falls to one in twenty eight minutes and twenty three seconds at PWG's Cruising for a Bruising, and then also here on January twenty first, the same day as this Impact. Chris Saban wrestled Kevin Steen to a no contest in 18 minutes and 18 seconds in a match to determine the number one contender for the PWG championship at Pro Wrestling Grill's Teen Outreach Summit. What a name. <laughs> I know. They have some unique names for their shows. Now let's see if Sunday Dot <clears throat> has nice double team by Diamonds in the Rough taking out Dot. David Young goes for the pin. Two count. Sunday's notes were just his appearances at the UWF shows. Now, we do got some big X Division stars in this match with Dutt and uh, Chris Saban here. Now, believe it or not, Bob, there is rumors of a former X Division star making his return as Dutt hits a beautiful hurricane run on David Young. He's going to tag Chris Saban, who gets right in the ring, goes after uh, David Young. And here comes Skipper, gets taken out by Saban as well. Um, Dave says hell may have froze over since there's a possibility of Loki coming in, which based on what happened when he left was thought to be something that would never happen. It's rustling. Yeah. So we may see the return of Loki here. We haven't seen him since what? Oh, four. That's freaking crazy. How is that even possible, dude? Well, you know what? I think he's had a falling out with Ring of Honor by this point. So he's mm. he's got really nothing going on. Nothing big, at least. Yeah. Holy shit, that is beautiful. Saban put in the skipper kind of in a trio. Well, he didn't lock the leg in, but that's okay. Beautiful shotgun drop kick. Dut, Hindu press. Those are the cover on David Young. That's a three. Simon Diamond jumping in for the save at the end was awesome. I like this uh, Saban Dutt duo. Yeah, dude, that worked really that well. That was good. Their gear even kind of matches. I'm into this. 
No, really good. Morphoplex move of the night, and it's the Hindu press. And I that Hindu press move, I like that. That's good for me. Yeah, that's nice. That should be finisher of the year. Hmm. Instead of the Styles Clash or Canadian Destroyer every year, give it to the Hindu press. You just reminded me about. I was thinking about this last night. Oh, as we go backstage with AJ Styles here. See what he's gonna say. That's an AJ shirt I would buy. That's a cool one. Wait, did they just say he's gonna fight Samoa Joe for the title? I think so. Wait, street fight tonight? Or Shannon Moore? What? Dude, let's go. It styles goes, you're calling him the Prince of Punk? Trying to get to the top of the X Division at my expense. You can carry on that little plaque all you want. But the award is mine. The fans voted me, Mr. TNA. I'm done with you. Oh, here comes Daniels. You mean the number I... Oh, the moment I stopped being the Morgan Tender is when you threw the towel in? Isn't that a little convenient? (laughs) Styles goes, that was a hard decision for me to make. Bullshit. Daniel says it wasn't a decision for him to make, which is fucking true. Who is Styles to be like, yeah, he's done. (laughs) Right. Getting spicy here, guys. Sometimes the heart is too big for the head to make the right decision. What a quote. Is he gaslighting Daniels right now? Yeah, he is. Oh, my God. He's gaslighting him before gaslighting was a thing. Oh, I guess I'm lucky to have a friend with you. That was good. Yeah. Oh, look, Shane Douglas here outside of Sting's locker room, which is literally a photocopy of a scorpion graphic. And he it opens up with him going, ooh. <laughs> Fucking Shane Douglas, dude. Um, I don't know if you saw, because I commented on it. Um, You know our, uh, I was going to say friend, but he's not our friend, but uh, we really like him, IVP videos. Uh, over on Twitter, he he said, working on something, and I'm realizing that Shane Douglas is a really good interviewer, and I just put the the little eyes looking, because where was he a really good interviewer? What was, he, what was he working on? I don't know. This was a this was a few weeks ago. I think he posted it, and I I wrote on it um, with the uh, at Cross the Line TNA Twitter page. We're seeing Sting highlights from the thing. I actually have some sting notes. I don't know if I can squeeze them in before we get to move into something else here, but let's see. Hold on. Dude, this notes page is one of the longest I've ever had for this recording. (laughs) It's so long. Uh, Sting did a a conference call. He actually did an interview too, but we're just doing it for the conference call because... Yeah, Um, this is last Wednesday through TNA. He said the potential is there for him to do another year after his first one, but it depended how his body held up. And I get a kick out of that because 18 years later. Yeah. Um, He said his idea wasn't to come in and take over or push guys out of the way, but to do what he could to help them out. 
He said that he watched the X Division, and his first thought was, I can't do this anymore. So he's looking to find his uh, niche because he believes that he uh, what he does isn't a dying art. And here comes Team Canada. P.D. Williams, Eric Young, and A1, followed by Scott Demore. Eric Young getting uh, terrified of the mm-hmm. pyro again. Not that. Let's see here. I have another sting note, but I'm sure they'll mention him again, so I'll just bring it up when we talk about him again. You want to hear something funny, though? Um, apparently, at this time... Wait, who's his opponent? Let's see the opponents quick first. Uh, Ron Killings. Oh, Lance Hoyt and Shark Boy. We haven't seen Lance Hoyt and Shark Boy in a while, it feels like. Um, at this time, Matt Morgan, who is, a, I believe, a free agent, because we've talked about him before. Oh, yeah. Um, he's 28 at this time, by the way. And he was arrested uh, by Louisville police on January 13th for impersonating a police officer. Get out of here. Now, I bring this up because you're wondering, why the heck are we talking about that? Well, apparently, uh, he was ended up being released later that night from this um, and was at the TNA Final Resolution pay-per-view and talked with management about working there. No final decision has been made regarding him and TNA. Wow. Oh, just pretend to be a cop? Yeah, and I do believe... Let's see, is it brought up again? Maybe that's... It might be... On, oh, no. Um, there's another note about... Apparently, Scotty Tuhati was backstage at this taping here that we're watching. Um, he's still under contract, so he was just visiting. And I believe he lives in Orlando because yeah. he's a big theme park guy. That's how I know that. Um, and Matt Morgan was there um, also. And, of course, once again, talk about him being used since he's been fired. But Dave says he doesn't know where he stands now uh, due to him being a bad rep. And, of course, the arrest can't help him. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't think I, that's some of my favorite videos on like YouTube and stuff is when people try to be like a cop and get caught. Um, someone I used to work with um, did that. Oh. And when it when it came out, it was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He was yeah. kind of like a. He was a guy. Weird guy. Uh, there's no there's no indie notes. Mm. Ron Killings going after Eric Young here. We're going to see a pump hand, or not pump handle slam. Running power slam. Yeah, just a running power slam. He didn't do the hump, though. That's what I was literally going to say. I was like, are we going to see the hip thrust? Maybe he's a little depressed because, you know, he's on his own now. Even though he's tagging with two other guys right now. Who are also on their own. Yeah. A1 coming in the ring. Boom. Drops him right over his knee. Then he gets out of the ring. Like, how fast he just ran out of the ring after he did that? Well, he's a heel. Dude, I'm pumped for Styles versus the Prince of Punk, Shannon Moore, in I'm a street not. fight. I'm not at all. If Shannon, if Shannon Moore wins... There's no way he's beating Styles. Come on. Who are you fooling? Well, oh, look it. Oh, there's fucking Dave. He's in the crowd this time. Uh, why don't? Why would you think he's not going to win? Because it's AJ Styles. Yeah, but it's super early in this feud, and they're doing it on TV. It's a street fight. It seems like I think this is the blow off. A blow off. Styles is about to fight Samoa Joe. They're, this Shannon Moore thing is like a little side side journey. It's like when you're playing a video game, 
It's a little side, side mission. Yeah, it's a side quest. He's going to fight Shannon Moorhanger and Impact, and he's going to fight Samoa Joe at Against All Odds. You better be right. Um, so Dave Hebner is in the crowd here, and... Oh, that was nice. Suplex into, like, a stunner there on Eric Young. Um, I'm just pumped through the notes here because this just works out really well. Um, believe it or not, at the January 3rd taping, Toby Keith was there. Um, but it was never announced because he was sitting front row with his sons, and he was asked to not be put on television to keep the privacy of his family. Now, when he was asked if he could just show him on camera without showing his kids, he declined the request. So Toby Keith was sitting in the front row at the last set of tapings. <laughs> That's such a bizarre thing for him to say to me. Oh, a nice pump handle slam there by Hoyt. But A1 breaks it up. Uh, yeah, hey, I'm going to go to a wrestling show. It's televised, sit in the front row, but I would like my privacy. Yeah. I still would have showed him. Shark boy jumping over Lance Hoyt, drop kick on A1. A1 broke up the pin after that pumping the slam by Hoyt as well. Drops Petey on the knee. Let's see. Irish whip. No, it's countered. Shark boy into the corner. Here comes uh, Petey Williams. Gets kicked in the face. DSD. Dead Sea drop. Oh, no. Oh, Counter. Hurricane Ron. Nice. Eric Young. Holy crap. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Oh, uh, no. Oh, Canadian Destroyer on Shark Boy. One, two. That's a three. Oh, that was, that was not bad. No, that wasn't bad. The Canadians win again. So they come. A street fight. Uh, do you see how they have that? AJ Styles versus Punk. Oh, no, I didn't even make that connection. That's funny. That's a potential way to trick people who don't know what's going on. Like, oh, my God, CM Punk's here? Yeah, right. That's... Although at the time, does anyone, like... CM, if their audience is internet people, they're going to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know who CM Punk We're is. We're getting Samoa Joe hype package here now. This is kind of cool. They're, like, showing all the different points that he... Okay, that logo, dude... That's oh, horrible. My God. The Against All Odds, um, the ace has Christian Cage's face in it. The ace I'm telling, face. I'm telling you right now, that's definitely going to be the logo on the um, the uh, the art for that episode when we get to it. I'm finding that version of the logo and using it. That logo is brutal. <laughs> the silent whistle. This is the Jackie Gata Gal Kim highlight stuff here. Well, I guess it's a highlight package. Hold on a second. I was nervous I wasn't going to get through all these, so. Um, apparently, Sting himself has said that he uh, had never felt a proper farewell in wrestling and that WCW just ended and that was, the, uh, that was it. He said he never really thought about going back due to his age. And finally, now that he's almost 47, and said that if something didn't happen now, it would never happen. Now, he signed for a limited number of dates in, in the one year, and it's thought that at this point, after the year is up, that he would have a farewell and retire. He will make some TV appearances, but won't be working every television. He'll probably work most pay-per-views, but perhaps not all. Uh, a few TV specials, and likely few, if any, house shows. 
I was going to say, if I had a guess, he's probably doing it like 20 dates. 12 pay-per-views and then... Yeah, that makes sense. Teaming together for the first time on Impact, they're saying. Oh. BG James. Oh, my God. We just saw. Okay. That's. It says on Impact. He he did specifically say. That's so dumb, though. That's so stupid. The James gang. I hate this. Dude, I fucking hate this so much. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I got something to say. Um, BG James might be one of my least favorite wrestlers. I agree. No, dude, he's a better entertainer than MJF, dude. And Bret Hart. And well, a better wrestler than Bret. A better wrestler than Bret Hart. Yeah. I like Kip James. I like Billy Gunn. Mm-hmm. Um, BG dude. Look at him. But Quartermain and Kenny King are the team that they are fighting. Billy Gunn, I, yeah, I like, I like, so, like, the one Billy Gunn, like, 2000, 2001, I like that Billy Gunn. I don't know if I've seen a lot of that Billy Gunn, so I can't speak to that. I like, I like it. And then, you know, Billy and Chuck, that's cool. Nin. Dude, Billy and Chuck is probably, like, my, my, my intro as a kid to him, so, and I like, I like Billy and Chuck. Well, I remember watching that, and I was like, when did Billy Gunn become gay? Right? Like no, when, dude, they were when, just friends, dude. Bullshit, dude. They're, he, they would, they were, he said it when they were getting married. I know, I know. But, like, leading into that, you think they're lovers. Like, they're presenting themselves as lovers. It's awesome. It's yeah. awesome. But then, like, as a kid, I was like, wait, well, Billy Gunn's gay? And then I was thinking about it, like, oh, wait a minute. He's always talking about asses. Oh, my God. I guess that makes sense. It adds up. Yeah. Let's hear from Kev. Mm. We're here just hear from BG. Ugh. The oh, game fuck. gang has is three that, G's for you. Is that new? Get it? Got it. Good. No, he, he said it before. Okay. He's never said it like that. Like he's never said the James Gang has three G's for you. Get it? Got it. Good. I really hope that Quartermain and Kenny King can win this one. Yeah. The thing that sucks is like. Not sucked, but it's like uh, what I'm trying to say here is like the James Gang is like it feels like one of those ultimate like that was good in the Attitude Era and isn't working anywhere else kind of thing. Yeah, it's just not working. No, this is the this is the type of type of act that you would expect in your local high school gym to come around like twice a year. And be like, oh, yeah, cool times. Not, oh, I'm going to watch a show weekly on television. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, they're talking about Waltman and Raven on commentary. So guess what? I got a note for you. Sean Waltman is penciled in into an early angle or into an angle probably around March. And it's also being said that Sabu is tentatively set up to return for the April pay-per-view as well. Hmm. A lot of return notes um, on this episode. Yeah. But they won't give Brock Lesnar the, the money. Because he's not. No, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. No, I know, but I, well, you you were just well, saying like so they're Brock saying Lesnar. that they don't that Spike doesn't think that or seemingly doesn't think that Brock is a big enough name. For oh, what Spike they, doesn't think it, it was Spike thing. 
That's insane. What? In in the wrestling world, Brock Lesnar is a name. Like, get out of here. 2005. I think they I think they want more than the wrestling world though. That's the problem. High vertical suplex. Oh, wait a minute. One and only. Well, he just did like a jackhammer. Why don't they just go get Goldberg? What are we talking about? I think there's something about him. He was doing one of these shit. The, the one, one and only on Kenny King. Did Buck Quartermain even get in this match? Uh, no, Dallas. And BG James also didn't get in the match. Yeah, so that was a singles match between uh, Kip and Kenny King. You got to be kidding me. Now, BG did nothing in that match, and he is breathing very heavily as if he did. He went and knocked Buck Quartermain off of the rope. You wait, know how wait, 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 wait. Now it's getting interesting. LAX, Conan, let's go. We have Bullet Bob. Oh, oh. Against all odds. Put the old man in the first row with Bullet Bob. My boy Homicide. You hate you, and we hate you. You turn Ron Killings against me? <laughs> okay, so LAX versus the James Gang against all odds. So it's Conan and Homicide against the James Gang then? Yeah, because once again, Apollo seemingly his travel issues and we're actually going to talk about that more in our next episode i think i think i have a note what kind of travel issues can you have from puerto rico i don't know uh shane douglas is here talking with larry zabisco backstage where's sting we're waiting on sting oh wait sting has been delayed zabisco said i've assured he'll be here next week dallas what the fuck did i tell you what if he didn't show up (laughs) We're 24 minutes, 25 seconds into the show, by the way, and they've just told us Sting isn't coming. He's got a contract in his hand that I want to know what it says. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, Larry. <laughs> You've been having a few problems with your flavor of the month. Oh, also Jeff Jarrett's opponent for Against All Odds. I wonder if it's Sting. I know. I wonder if they're just going to tie it together. What's this? Title contract for the heavyweight title. Oh, it's got Jeff Jarrett's name on it, and Monty's looking at it like, I'm about to put my name on it. (laughs) I'm making this my business. Wait, he just took the contract. Monty. Monty. Yo, that's so garbage. I fucking knew it. Yeah. Oh, hey, uh, Don West here. And, uh, just wait for Sting to arrive, and he's uh, going to be here this week. And then you got to wait a half hour. And by the way, nah, next week. Sorry. We're getting highlight here of Shannon Moore. Um, Bob, there's a note. I'm only going to read one line from it, and I'm, I kind of refuse to read the rest of it, to be honest with you. Um, okay. It says, a lot of people are under the assumption that the company is now turning a profit, but that isn't the case. And I'm not reading it. Because um, it's not true. <laughs> it's literally not true. Um, and it's actually quite long. But basically, essentially what he talks about, I'll give you the, the uh, synopsis. 
he talks about the idea as if Panda decided to get out of um, TNA and sell it and that kind of stuff. And he kind of just breaks down some numbers. He's saying that they're not at the level of a million dollars per month that they were, but that they aren't making any money. They want to get more capital, get more people involved and stuff like that. But unfortunately, it's not true. Um, I also have another note here. It says, expect a lot more footage on Impact over the next few weeks of TNA wrestlers appearing overseas. Jarrett was thrilled with the reaction at the 1PW show in England with loud TNA chants for his match with Styles, as well as the reaction from uh, to the other wrestlers that were on the show. So. And I got one more note, and I think I got through them all. Wait, no, I didn't. I have another one. Actually, I lied. Uh, Jay Lethal has apparently signed a deal. He says to work underneath. I don't know what he means by that, but... Uh, so enhancement. That's what I thought, but I was like, "Why is he saying that?" Like, like mid card, whatever. Yeah, but that t- underneath usually means that you're doing jobs. Well, Jay Lethal has signed, and <laughs> here comes the Prince of Punk, Shane, and more. You know, it's weird that Shane and Moore is this Prince of Punk, and he came out to like a rap song. I heard that too. That was weird. Oh, Styles is dressed in Street Fight gear, jeans, T-shirt. Tape fist. Okay, Bob, now I have my final note, and then I'm going to stop talking. Okay. So we can enjoy this match. Well, I'm going to talk about the match. Anyway, Devon was on In Your Head Radio. He put over both AMW and, believe it or not, uh, MNM, uh, saying that they were two of the best teams in wrestling right now. Um, mm-hmm. He also talks uh, about that, saying that jumping to TNA was one of the best moves in their career, essentially, just like jumping from ECW to WWF back in the day. He said that the company felt that it was on the verge of exploding, and he wanted to be a part of that. And there you go, Bob. It's a street fight, so no lockup. Styles was right after the Prince of Punk. This is his, uh, from our viewing, his debut match. He has wrestled on Explosion, but we haven't seen that. Yeah. Uh, I just have one ending note for AJ Styles. On January 14th, AJ Styles defeated Matt Seidel at Ring of Honor's Hell Freezes Over. Well, oh, Daniel's on commentary. Okay. Do you remember? Did Shannon Moore have this like look toward the end of his WWE run or no? Because hmm. I don't think he did, but you know what, more uh, about like random like heat velocity stuff. So I'm oh, his the original run. Oh no, I well I don't know what he was doing. When he get, when what was he doing when he got left here like around this time? So, I've only ever seen him as like regular looking Chan Moore, blonde hair, no tattoos. Well, that's what I thought I knew too. That's why I'm confused. Oh, this is interesting footage there from Windy City Wrestling. Yeah, so they're showing this is the Daniels, the best of the Fallen Angel DVD. Hmm. Heaven sent, hellbound. I have this, and it showed that um, the old footage is on that, and he hit his commentary on it. I think. Um, yeah, so I don't, re- I don't remember him. Be- See, I don't even know when he left the first time, because he had to have been fired, obviously in like two thousand five. But I don't. I know just feel like. I remember um, the M- what, MF for Shannon Moore <laughs> or whatever it was. Right. That, and that would have been like 2002, 2003. So I remember that. And then I remember him showing up like this. And that's all I remember. 
So he was there until June of 05. So let me, I can probably look this up real quick. Uh, he just suplexed Styles on the guardrail into the crowd. Chandler Moore's going into the crowd following him now. Put fight in the crowd on your bingo card, guys. Just kidding. That's the Jarrett one. Oh, he's choking him on, like, the railing. Yeah, so it looks like, if I'm looking at the right thing. Uh, you know what? Hang on. I'm, there's no way that they did that for this long. God Oh, he just tossed Shannon Moore over the over the edge there on the bleacher, and he fell right to the floor. Styles is definitely about to jump off of this and do something. Right off the top. Takes out Shannon Moore. Here's the replay. <laughs> Boom. Why is there, like, no Shannon Moore footage? Oh, wait. Oh, look at dude. Alex Shelley's out here with the Shelley cam recording. Okay, so it looks like he may have a little bit. Mm. He had the shorter hair. Well, so I was wondering if it was a similar situation to, like, when we saw Raven debut. He was already wearing the skirt and stuff, and I didn't even know he wore that in WWF. Yeah, so it looks like Shannon was starting to have this type of look, but not like I'm spiked up. Here, like okay. That. Oh, drop toe hold on the chair. He pretty much still looks exactly like this, if I remember correctly. I just, when I went on his Twitter recently, when I was tagging him and something. Well, I can't wait for uh, the Ink Ink era. So. Oh, Jesus. Alex Shelley's at ringside with his camcorder is now AJ Styles has a chair oh. wrapped around Moore's head and then sent him into the ring post. Okay, so his Mohawk isn't as big anymore. Here, this is him now. Okay. Um, he actually did a. It looks like he had an article and an interview on ABC in Tampa, a Tampa Bay article. Um, talking about uh, is this night of recovery show and talking addiction awareness. So that's nice. So he was doing drugs. They all were. Yeah, but he's doing good now. So it doesn't I mean that. No, that's yeah. The, not saying. Hold on a second. When did, did this match happen? Feb oh, dude, you were not going to believe this match. Shannon Morrison is he looking? He's about to pilmanize AJ Styles. He's going up to the rope. Hold on. I want to see what happens here first. Oh, Styles held the chair up and he just fucking Shannon Moore jumped onto it. Okay, so on February 23rd, 2000, 2024, um, this is taking place in Coca, Florida. Um, this is for the ALW World Championship. It is Shannon Moore versus Matt Cardona. No kidding. No, wow. I did not expect to see that graphic. Jan Moore, the single like Boston Crab. Uh, Samoa Joe uh, has been watching this match from the aisle. And now Daniels. Dude, no way. No way. Daniels just threw in a towel. Holy no shit, dude. Way. 
is Rudy Rudy's not gonna accept that. He's not. Is Shannon Moore rolls tiles up? Oh, oh, Shannon so Moore Shannon won. pins up <laughs> the roll up provide. Dude, yo. And by the way, Samoa Joe was watching at the ramp too. They they yeah. showed him very quickly. Dude. Wow. I fucking love he that. He just doesn't even give up. He doesn't care at all. So here's the thing. I, I'm not upset that Moore won because clearly uh, Daniels fucked him. So. Dude. Wait. Stink speaks wait. live. Oh, next week. Next week. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, dude. Crafty Charisma is backstage on the phone. Oh, he's coming to the impact zone. What I loved about that is it's what you wanted to happen at final resolution. They did it so fast. We didn't even expect Daniels to do it. Right. Dude, it just came in, right? Right. Yep. Uh, the, the, uh, sorry, Team 3D is in Zabisco's office with his Morphoplex golf shirt and golf clubs. Uh, if I knew there was the Devon appearance, I would have waited on my interview note, but. Yeah, no. Oh, look at this. Here he is. Save the pleasantries, Larry. The past 11 years, me and my brother have been beaten down, screwed over, even stabbed in the back. But nothing compares to what happened last week at Final Resolution. We kept our promise. We won the NWA taking titles. Oh, they're dead. So this goes like, yeah. And just like that, when Canada came along and erased him. No. We ain't bitching and we ain't moaning. You need to do what's right. We want AMW. And we want Team Canada. Could we be getting a three-way tag team title match? I love you guys. I love 3D. No need to make threats. He's like, I gotta admit, I gotta answer to TNA upper management. He did not say championship committee for the record. Go think about it. Let me know who you want the most. Who do you want to wrestle first? So he's making them pick who they want to fight. I think Bob is, uh, I think you were right earlier when you said they're probably going to fight Team Canada first, if I was to guess. You think so? I do, because I feel like they're going to be like, we need to get them out of our way so we can get the titles without them being involved again. See, that shows patience, because I'd be like, All right, I want the, I want the champ. Well, right. They're baby faces, though. We got to show the patience. Uh, yeah. Christian Cage is already in the ring. He did not get an entrance. Interesting. Let's see what his Christian Cage has got to say here with his shiny affliction shirt. He just got off the phone with Sting. He wishes he could be here tonight. Should have told Don that. Dude, the crowd's booing. He was at the movies and he couldn't pull himself away. Oh, he's watching the... He's watching the life story. Oh, my God. He was watching the life story of Monty Brown and Jeff Jarrett. He says, you might have heard of it. Brokeback Mountain. I knew it. Is that not a 2006 uh, joke or what? Tanae just said, I didn't know that they were that close. <laughs> <laughs> I 
next week he will be here and live in the impact zone. Huge major announcement to make. And of course, here comes Jeff Jarrett. It's not even huge. It's freaking major. It's my world. Jerry has his his hands on the contract now. How many different contracts are there? There's no way Monty Brown just handed that to him, I feel like. Tanae goes, does he got a clipboard? (laughs) I've seen it and I've heard it all. They're saying you suck in case you can't hear them. Okay, you got a bunch of cronies out here. We're 39 minutes, 11 seconds into the show, if you're following along. Three certainties in life. If he owes you any money, check's in the mail, right? If he's supposed to meet you somewhere, don't call him, he'll call you. And third and final one, the Stinger's going to be in the impact zone next week. Right, okay. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Sunday, February the 12th, against all odds. I got an interview with a world title match. And I can care less who my challenger is. I couldn't. I couldn't care less. He says, I know it's not going to be Sting, because I already ran him out of TNA after one appearance. I fear no one. I fear no man. They could do the man beast, the war machine, Rhino on the country. I'd rather not have Rhino. Right. Oh, new flavor of the month. It could be Chris Jericho. Get your old buddy. Yo. The fact they just said that. Yo. They could, and there's a chance, and they could even make you Christian Cage, then Morgan Thunder. The crowd's chanting Y2J, oh, dude. You know, why did, you, why did he do that? Maybe they were, maybe it was actually a chance that it was going to happen. I'm going to send you back where you belong. The mid-card status. Slap in the face. Um, and Christian Cage going right after Jarrett now. Monty Brown's about to come out. I guarantee it. Wait, so is it Jarrett Christian? No, he said they don't. he doesn't care who they put on it. It could be Christian. Mm-hmm. It could be Rhino. It could be uh, Chris Jericho, apparently. Oh, Here comes Brown. the now. It should be fucking Monty Brown. Now, here's the thing. If the lights go out for fucking Sting... Okay, good. Rhino. I was going to say he was no. on the phone with him. We know he's not there. No. Rhino comes out. I see I see a tag match main event for next week. Do you? Sure, I do too. Rhino and Cage versus Monty Brown and Jarrett? I, there's no way it doesn't happen. Crowd's uh, pretty excited to see Rhino and Christian Cage here. This is the main event of Heat... Uh... Any week. Oh, oh no, no, no. Brian went to grab the contract and Christian stepped on it. You've had your five titled shots. You Listen, relax. I don't want to be that guy. Here comes Abyss. I don't want to be that guy here. Christian's face is on the logo. <laughs> Literally. On the contract, too. I saw it when Larry Zabisco had it. 
Okay, Abyss and Rhino are fighting now. So there's his against the odds match. And Christian is going after Jarrett. So, I mean, put the pieces together, guys. It's going to be my round. Wait a second. See? I'm telling you right now. Oh, it's right here. Look at, it, look at him pick up every piece of paper. Oh, shit. Look how he's looking at it. Just sign it. Why is he hesitating? Just fucking sign it. He didn't have a pen. <laughs> he didn't have a pen. <laughs> okay, what do you think of that episode of Impact, bud? Uh, that was that was solid. Um, I will say it is very annoying that Don was just like, I'm waiting for Stig to get here this week. He's going to be here to talk. And then they're just like, by the way, no, he's not here. Yeah. That it, is a bait and switch, if I've ever seen a bait and switch. Well, yeah, that was kind of dirty, right? So. Uh, I do agree, though. I thought that was a, a pretty good episode of Impact. I dude, the strictly the finish of that street fight was freaking awesome. Daniel's immediately getting up on the apron, chucks in the uh, the towel, and then they're like, "No, we can't end it like that." And then he gets rolled up and loses. Is yeah. freaking awesome. That was good. It was so good. And I do. I like the Saban Dutt team. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that's gonna if they're maybe making a team out of it. I don't know, but I like that. I thought that was pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, this week had some good potential there. I'm pretty, I was pretty excited about uh, about this episode. So that was that was pretty good to me. For sure. Well, well okay then. That uh, wraps it up here. So we, uh, our next episode is the January 28th edition of uh, Impact, where we're going to hear from Sting. For Maybe. sure, they said. Live in the yeah. Impact Zone, for He'll sure. absolutely be here this time. That's what they're telling us. Yeah. Don't let us down, Stinger. I really hope Don West doesn't start the show again in the parking lot. But I've been here a whole week. I've been here all week waiting for Sting to arrive. But he's going to be here. Uh, and guess what? We'll be here as well to continue on with our TNA live watch journey. So until next week, for Dallas Greeley, I'm Bob Conley Jr. And this has been the TNA Cross the Line podcast. Hail Sting! Hail Sting!